Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you today, family and friends. Glad to have our visitors with us. We're in Luke chapter 8. Part number seven in a series called Fixing Our Eyes on Jesus. The goal is to get to know him as best as we can because we are convinced that if you know Jesus, you'll become like him. You want to follow him. There's our 32nd president, FDR, um, was well known for being very annoyed with the reception lines that he would oftentimes have to endure. He used to endure long reception lines, meeting people at different events. And the thing that annoyed him probably most frequently was that nobody really ever paid attention to what he was saying when he would greet them. And so one day he was feeling a little mischievous, and he decided that he would try an experiment. And so he had a long reception line one day, and he was greeting people, and he decided as he greeted people, he would say to them, each one of them, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And he did. He'd shake their hand. He'd say, I murdered my grandmother this morning. I murdered my grandmother this morning. And over and over, everybody would walk by and they would say things to him like, lovely, good work. Or, we're really proud of you, sir. God bless you and your work. And over and over, people kept saying this to him. Until finally, the ambassador from Bolivia stopped by, shook his hand. He said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the man leaned in and said, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) Finally, somebody was listening, right? Well, Luke chapter 8, if you're ever reading through the gospel of Luke, Luke is a smart guy, he's a physician, he was a historian, and he wrote the gospel of Luke in a way that was designed to lead somebody from not knowing who Jesus is all the way till the end where they become a follower of Jesus, and that takes steps. So all the way up until Luke chapter 8, he's laying the groundwork for who Jesus is. And in chapter 8, verses really 1 through 25, is a whole entire section that's going to ask you this one question, that's going to challenge you in this one way. Are you really listening to Jesus? It's interesting how our text starts out. Did you notice this when Barry read it? That a big group started to come around Jesus. A lot of people were surrounding him. And Jesus then tells a parable to confuse people, and some people go away. Now, modern Christianity sort of looks different than that sometimes. We do everything in our power to get as many people to be in front of us. And yet Jesus here is challenging because he's wanting to know, out of all the people that are surrounding me, do you really want to listen to what I'm saying? Are you really hearing what I'm saying? And the reality is we're not great listeners. This isn't just a 2019 problem, although it's pretty bad right now. We're not very good at listening. It's always been a problem. That's why James said that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, that's great advice for building relationships with people. It's essential for us to really learn how to be good listeners because we're kind of terrible at it sometimes. We can be distracted, you know, like the television's on and you're listening to somebody in your family doing the uh uh-huh, uh-huh, not really listening. Or we can be, you know, in a hurry and so we want people to kind of get to their point. 
We can be people with agendas where we're just listening for an opportunity to respond, to say the thing we want to say, but not really absorbing and comprehending and considering. We're kind of really bad at listening. And learning to be a good listener, to hear well, is good for relationships, but let me tell you, it's essential. Non-negotiable. When it comes to you relating to Jesus Christ. When it comes to you really being able to follow Jesus, the answer to the question, are you listening to him, is ascension. Now, good thing for us, our text this morning is not only going to help us learn how to be good listeners, but it's going to actually help us diagnose what actually is wrong with our hearing. That's really what the parable is all about. So let's start, first of all, with testing our hearing. It's vital. The very first step that you got to take whenever you wonder if you have a problem or not is you got to test it. You got to figure out if there really is a hearing problem. And here in this section, verses 4 through 25, really, Luke stacks together some teachings and some stories to show us not just what good hearing looks like, but also to test ourselves to see if we have a hearing problem. So the first thing, he he gives you really two questions you can ask yourself to see if you are doing well at listening or not. And the first question is this, am I embarrassed of Jesus? In verses 16 through 18, you notice Jesus says, no one, after they light a lamp, puts that thing under a bed. That would be crazy, right? Like you, you wouldn't turn your lamp on and then put a big blanket over it so it doesn't light up the house or the room that you're in. That doesn't make any sense at all. And then he would say, in verse 18, take, here then, take care then how you hear. Pay attention to the way that you're listening. And here's what he's getting after. He's saying, if you've really heard me, if you standing here today have really listened to what I'm saying, you won't light that lamp of what you understand and then hide it and put it away. If you really get who I am, you're not really embarrassed about it. And now you might think, I'm hearing Jesus. I'm listening to him. And when I listen to him, that's actually the thing that's making me a little bit socially awkward with people. It's making me uncomfortable. I hear what Jesus says about tough things like heaven and hell, like things like um, sexual ethics or marriage or greed or pride or the priorities we're supposed to have in life. Jesus, I'm listening to you, and it's making me kind of uncomfortable and nervous and embarrassed around people. And if this is the case, Jesus would say, but you got to keep listening because you're not listening all the way. Jesus is not just another teacher, another voice, another opinion on how life should be lived. Jesus is the sovereign Lord, creator of what life is, who has verified to you that nobody loves you like Jesus loves you, and he loves the entire world. So when he speaks, he's not just giving his opinion or spouting off or wanting people to listen to him. When he speaks, he speaks as an authority, but also the compassionate Savior of all mankind. That's how he speaks. So he says, when you hear him, it's like lighting a lamp. And that means that we are not just the belief FBI, that we need to go around and interrogate people on every belief they have that's not lined up with Jesus and then pin them with some charge against them. He says you're like a lamp when you're lit up. You demonstrate, you show what it's like to follow Jesus. When we're embarrassed, typically it's because we fear what people think of us and we love ourselves too much, right? We we care what people think. When we hear Jesus, 
we begin to fear him, to respect him, to love him, and then we really begin to love other people. So question one, are you embarrassed of him? Question two is, are you obedient? Now following the reading that Barry did for us, you'll notice um, Luke tells two stories. The first one is Jesus' mom and his brothers come looking for him. Verses about 19 through 21, they come looking for him, and most likely they're coming to take him away because they think he's out of his mind. They, they weren't yet really buying into all the things that he was saying. And they come to the house where Jesus is teaching all these things, and they're looking for him, and the people in the room say, hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are here. And Jesus says, my family are the people who hear God's word and do it. That's my family. And then Luke tacks this story on at the end. He says, then there was one day when the disciples got onto a boat with Jesus. They go out into the sea. There's a really terrible storm. The waves and the winds are going like crazy. The boat is about to break. And the disciples go find Jesus, and he's fast asleep. He's cashed out. Verses 22 through about 25. The guy is sawing logs. And they wake Jesus up, and they're like, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. He stands up and he's like, oh, guys, come on, where's your faith? And he speaks to the wind and the waves and they stop. Now, why would Luke include that story? Here's why. The disciples marveled and here's what they said. Man, who is this guy that when he speaks, the wind and the waves listen to what he says? Why would Luke include that story? Because what creation was designed to do was hear the word of Christ and do it. Now, who's involved in creation? You and me. We were created by God to hear his word and to do it. So here's how we can test our hearing. Are we embarrassed of what he said? We're not hearing him all the way, who he really is. Are we obedient? Are we listening? And if we do an honest evaluation, I think we'll all admit that we've got some room to grow in our hearing. Now that brings us to the second point. We got to really diagnose what's going on with our hearing. There's a lot of different hearing problems, and that's really what this parable is about. This parable, the sower with the different soils of, that he throws the seed onto. There's four different types of soils, and this parable is actually not really about the sower. It's not really about the seed. Those are just the constants. This parable is all about the four different types of soil. And the story really goes, how do they hear? What kind of hearing are they doing? Over and over, that's really how it explains it if you look in verses 12 through 15. So let's walk through these and let's see the different kind of conditions of the heart that speak about what kind of hearing we have. Because when Jesus talks about hearing, he's not talking about the ears that are on your head. He's talking about the condition of your heart that's being willing to receive his word. So if you look in verse 12, he tells us the first kind of soil. It's a, a, or a heart, you might say. It's a hardened heart. In verse 12, he says, the seed is the word of God. Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may, may not believe or be saved. Now, this is kind of hard for us to picture how farming fields worked back in those days because if you look in our scenario, we've got well-defined roads and then there are rectangle-shaped, typically, fields that are designated for farming fields. And if you look out there, they're typically the whole thing is being used. But in Jesus' day, they didn't have all these well-defined roads. They sort of had like pathways that people would walk on. And like most people, 
People would take the shortest route. And so sometimes you would look out and you would see a field that was used for um, farming, and there would be a pathway walking right through it, right in the middle of it. And, but the, the, the sower, the farmer would go out and he would just throw seed and wherever it would land, it would land and he would hope that it would grow or land on the good ground and grow, but there would be some he knew that would fall upon the path. And here's what Jesus is saying about a heart that becomes hardened. The symptoms are you're cold and unmoved when you hear the word, unchanged. The word lands on you, but you're just really not different. It doesn't really provoke anything. But the real point is, what's the cause of that? What makes that happen? And as I mentioned, these paths were there because that's where people walked. Now, the cause of a hardened heart is really just the same thing. It's constant traffic. Constant traffic over and over. The reason the path got hard is because people walked on it for years and years and would trample down that soil and it got really hard. This constant traffic. Now, how does your heart get hard? The same reason. Constant traffic messages that we send across our heart over and over over the course of years makes it hard for us to receive god's word you might have messages about god for instance that you've heard like if god were good he wouldn't let this happen to me and you let that message go across your heart hundreds thousands of times it makes a pathway that becomes hard or things like are we sure god can be good or real or true those messages become pathways hardened hearts parts of our heart you might have messages about yourself. For, in, for instance, you might say things like, I'm doing just fine. Who, who needs God in this world? You let that message go across your heart multiple times, it starts to pack down that soil. Or maybe you heard messages across your heart for years and years, things like, I'm not lovable. I'm not sure I can be forgiven. I'm not sure I can be accepted or cared for. Who would really want me? If you let that message, which is a lie, go across your heart, month after month, year after year, Jesus warns that that's going to create a hardened situation that makes it hard for the word to penetrate. He says also in verse 13, we can have a crowded heart. A crowded heart. Now the second soil is this. He says in verse 13, the ones, and the ones on the rock, pardon me, are those who when they heard, they receive it with joy, but these have no root they believe for a little while, in the time of testing, they fall away. And what he's talking about is the area of the soil that would have these big rocks in it, but they would be a little bit under surface. So on top of the rocks, there'd be a little bit of soil, a little bit of dirt. And you can know this is the case if you, here's the symptoms, that the Word of God falls upon your heart, a message from God falls upon your heart, and it spikes this level of emotional response. It spikes this interest. It spikes this um, feeling. It can be guilt. It can be fear. You could have feelings of peace or joy. But when something happens in your life that challenges that new belief, you immediately quit and you give up. Now, what's the cause of that? What makes that happen? Well, as I was saying, that soil has these big rocks that are underneath it. And there's a little bit of dirt on top, just enough for the word to fall and for a little life to sprout. But it can't get any roots in there. Because something's rock hard underneath. And so when the sun comes and there's no rain, that plant just dies because it can't survive. These big rocks happen to us. They won't let the roots grow. Now you and I have big rocks on our soil that oftentimes can stop the Word of God from really taking root. It could be things like a past hurt. 
that instead of really making sense of it and resolving it, you've let it grow into bitterness. That's a big rock that goes under the surface. So you might hear the word of God and feel a sense of forgiveness or a sense of joy, but then that bitterness still is in there and you haven't gotten it out. It could be a repeated sin that you just won't give up that begins to callous over and you just continue to practice it. And so the word hits you with some conviction and it sprouts up, but then over time it just dies away. You got to get that rock out of there. It could be dissatisfaction with your life, lacking contentment. And you look around and you're envious and jealous and you have covetousness. You got to get those big rocks out of your heart for the word to really sit in there. You can have a divided heart. Look in verse 14. He says, as for that which fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit doesn't mature. Here's the symptoms to know if you have a divided heart, that you have substance of life, that there's a plant in you, but it never really begins to bear fruit. Now, what does that mean? Well, over and over, the Bible uses an analogy about fruit, like in Galatians chapter 5 when he says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And what he's talking about is that when you are receiving the Word, when you're following after Christ, over the course of time you begin to look more like Jesus. You become more patient, you become more loving, have more self-control. And what he's saying is, if you've been around a long time, and that plant has been growing for years and years, but you're not seeing any fruit, the problem may be that your nutrients are being stolen by other plants in the heart. So here's the cause. you got crowded soil. All these nutrients that come into your soil are being stolen by fruitless plants, these weeds, these thorns. And he says, really, the cares and the concerns of the present life own a majority of your time and attention when spiritual matters really don't give much weight when you don't give much time and attention you just have a crowded heart so you might have life a plant but no fruit finally the fourth one he says we can have a prepared heart a prepared heart he says in verse 15 as for the as for the good soil they are those who hearing the word hold it fast with an honest and a good heart And they bear fruit with patience. Now here's the symptom you have to look for. Here's how you know you have a good heart. He says you're bearing fruit with patience. Now let me pause and make sure you get this last point. That is with patience you bear fruit. The fruit growing business in the life of faith is not instantaneous. It's not in a moment. The problem we oftentimes do with ourselves is we take a snapshot of our life, like a moment, an hour, a minute, and look at that and determine whether we are really living for him or not. If you would have done that with Peter, at the time in which Jesus was betrayed, you would have looked at Judas and Peter and said, those guys are cut from the same cloth. They're the same people, right? That night when Jesus was betrayed, Judas betrayed him, Peter denied him, right? But over the course of time, Peter really bore out and showed that he could bring forth fruit. Now what's the cause of a prepared heart? How does a heart get ready? Well, if you think about the farming analogy Jesus is trying to use, he would say it's a tilled, prepared soil. It's open and it's ready. It's ready for the word to be received, and that soil is singularly dedicated to growing what is planted in it. It's focused. It's willing to give its attention to it. 
Now, before we move to the fixing of our hearing, I want to pause and just say this as a sort of source of warning. All four of these soils are located in the same space. That the farmer would go out, the farmer would go out, and he would take his seed and he would throw it, and all four of these soils are surrounding in the same area. Now, here's the warning. He's not saying there are three heathen, pagan, non-Christian, non-believing, all the way out, totally obvious soils, and then there's one really good soil that's the people that are hearing me. You see what I'm saying? He's saying these four soils have the seed thrown on them week after week. These four soils have seed being received regularly. They're all close together. But there's one that's a good and honest heart. Let's get to the business of how we fix it. If you're like me, not always soil number four, right? I think I've maybe done it like a day or two in my life, soil number four. It's about as good as I can do. Uh, typically, when I look at this list, I'm a three most often right now. The kids and the you know marriage, new marriage, things going on. I, I, even in the business of church that I'm in this profession, I can still be a three, not a four in church. Did you know that as a professional in this? Sometimes I'm a two. Still got some big rocks I got to get up out of there, you know, that just stop the word from growing. I've got a few spots left in my heart that are still one. I've believed some messages that are not true about God, about myself, and about the world that I just haven't really let Jesus till up yet. So I'm a three, a two, sometimes a one, sound like an Enneagram. I want to be a four. How do we get there? Two things. First one is this you got to listen to the warning. I just want to press pause for a second and say this. Hear the warning that Jesus says. Verse 8, he cries out, If you have ears to hear, listen to me, please, please listen. Verse 18, he says this. Take care how you hear, because the one who is hearing, the one who has, more is going to be given to him. He's going to grow. He's going to produce fruit. She will listen. But to the one who thinks he has, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Listen to the warning. Wake up. Be honest with yourself that you've got some room to grow in listening to Jesus. The reality is this, and here's what scares me sometimes about Jesus that is sobering. The stories that Jesus oftentimes tells about judgment at the end of this life with how we lived, The stories that he tells, Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 25, the people that are sent away from his presence are always surprised. That scares me sometimes. They're shocked by it. They go, Matthew 7, Lord, didn't I cast out demons and prophesy and do wonders in your name? Matthew 25, Lord, Lord, when did we ever see you naked or hungry or needing something? We never saw this. They, They were expecting welcome and shocked at the dismissal if i could get one thing to you today just to kind of shake the cage listen to the warning we might not be hearing jesus number two you got to do your part okay look at the story the parable right there's two factors in verse 15 that attribute to good soil he says that the soil holds fast the word holds fast the seed it hold on it holds on to it 
it does its job. The soil's job in the story of farming is literally just to grab the seed and not let go of the seed, right? That's all the soil has to do. Is the soil responsible for making it rain? Can't do it, right? Is the soil responsible for making the sun come up and bring forth the sun? Can't do that job, right? The only thing the soil has to do is make sure it's available to hold on to the seed and hang tight, to hold fast to it. Now listen, we have so much information coming at us today that rarely do we give ourselves time to think, to contemplate, to consider all the information coming at us. July of 2018, the research that came out said that you are receiving 11 hours a day of media coming to you every day there's more information in one edition of the new york times than anyone would learn in the 1700s their entire life that much information is coming at you ask yourself this what we're talking about today right now luke chapter 8 in your life as you leave here today and you come back next week how much time and space do you have to really contemplate and think and wonder am i listening to jesus do you have a lot of time? Are you making that time? Or are we just constantly being fed and consumed with more and more stuff? You can't, we can't drink from the fire hose that way. We've got to be willing to reduce all the things that we're taking in so that we can think about and hold on to the things that matter most. So our job is to hold fast to the word, but he also said that we need to be a good and honest soil, a good and honest heart. Now this is important what Jesus is saying. That the soil's got to be good. And now, what's interesting about this is when it is good, it means that it only comes from God. It means that it's pure and it's natural. That there's no evil in it. That there's no mixture. That there's no delusion in it. That the fact that it's good and honest, meaning God gave it to us. Now, think about this. When the soil has rocks in it, or it's hard, or the soil has thorns and weeds in it, whose job is it to get those things out? Who can really get those things out? Does the soil, you know, grab a rake and kind of reach up around on itself and start doing that? Who does it? The gardener does it, doesn't he? The farmer. Now, here's why I tell you this. Many of you in here may be saying, I hear you. I'm listening. I've got rocks in my heart. I've got some stuff I got to get out of there. I've got thorns. I'm crowded in my soil. I got that. And here's what I tell you. Go to the gardener and ask him for help. Ask him to remove those stones. Ask him to remove those thorns. And be ready for things to get uncomfortable. Preparing soil for planting is always disruptive, but it's essential. If you go to Jesus, he will help you. How do I know? Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. Faith comes from hearing. But where does hearing come from? Hearing comes from the word of Christ. In Romans 10, verse 17, there's a very important distinction there. There's a very important comma. He doesn't say faith comes from the word of Christ. He says faith comes from when you finally start hearing, when you finally start listening. But listening, really listening to Jesus comes from the word of Christ. Now, Paul used a very specific language there. Typically, when you're talking about the whole of Scripture, the Bible uses the word logos, the Greek word logos. But here, Paul says, the rema of Christ, the specific word of Christ. Well, what word is that? What's he talking about? If you listen to this passage in verse 13, it says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of who they've never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they going to preach unless they're sent to them? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Now listen to verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. What does he really want you to hear? What's the thing that's going to open your ears to the rest of all that God has to say? Hearing the gospel. So when you come to Jesus and say, I've got thorns that I've got to get taken out of my soil. He says, I got those thorns. I wore them on my brow. And you say, I got rocks that are deep in my heart that need to come out. He says, I was buried under those rocks, but I've come out from among them. I was resurrected. I'll take your thorns. I'll take your rocks. The things that are crowding out your heart, the things that are burdening you, the things that are stopping you from understanding who you were meant to be, I'll take them from you. And I'll help you so that you can begin to hear what I'm saying. What step do you really need to take next to hear Jesus better, to follow after Him, to be His? We're here to help you with that. If you need help, let us know. Tell one of us. Let us help you walk closer to Christ, to listen to Him, to get these rocks out of your heart, to get this path turned up, to get these weeds that are crowding out your heart pulled out there so you can listen to what He says and really become the kind of person he wants you to be. Let's stand and sing this song together. If we can help you now, won't you come?